to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intricasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. Seriously, it only takes 30 seconds and it helps us out so much. In fact, I read one new five-star review verbatim every episode and credit the listener who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Today's review comes from the one and only Geoffrey Wynn. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, And Geoffrey says, the best show on the interwebs. Uh, And he says, hey... That James and Jacasso and his roundtable sure are great. But you know what's even better? The Appendix N podcast, where they talk about the amazing pulp novels of the early 20th century that inspired Gary Gygax to create Dungeons and Dragons. Jeff Wynn and Jeff Wickstrom sure have some amazing discussions while exploring classic fantasy literature. I wish I could give that show six stars. If you're a fan of D&D, you owe it to yourself to listen to the Appendix N podcast and read along with them. You won't be sorry. Well, thank you very much. Geoffrey Wynn. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate the five-star review, and I agree. People should definitely go check out the Appendix N podcast. It is so good. Uh, If you want to leave us a five-star review, you will get a shout-out on the air. So head on over to iTunes and do just that. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other episode, and then just shop as you normally would. They're big banners. You can't miss them. All right, everybody, we have a brand new sponsor this week, Open Gaming Store. OpenGamingStore.com is their URL. They are a huge, huge, huge seller of RPG PDFs. They have a huge library. You should definitely check it out. Um, Tons of stuff for 5th edition, Pathfinder, the OSR, Call of Cthulhu, any of your favorite RPGs, they Got them, so definitely check it out. Um, and one of the things that I think is really, really cool is every $20 you spend, you get a bonus PDF absolutely free. Tons of amazing bonus PDFs they have to choose from. Go check them out right now, opengamingstore.com. Thank you so, so much for supporting The Tome Show. Uh, my product pick from OpenGamingStore.com for this episode is the Hordes Horde Bundle. It is 293 books from Fat Goblin Games, over 3,000 pages for $30. Uh, this is a super, super steal. Uh, you can get tons and tons of great stuff Um Tons of new races, tons of new class options, tons of new equipment, tons of new magic items, all kinds of goodness. Uh, check it out right now. Uh, there's a direct link to the Hordes Hordes bundle over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. And this week here to talk to us about the open gaming store is a super creepy floating baby ghost. Hey! It's me, the super creepy floating baby ghost. And I just wanted to let you know 
and OpenGamingStore.com is the place where I get all my amazing PDFs for all my RPGs. They have so many editions and so many products, great bundles, and for every $20 I spend, it's a free product coming my way. Thanks so much. All right, everybody, today we are talking about the next D&D adventure. Then we have an interview with a very special guest. It is my wife. Uh, and then we are going to talk to some of the people over at Playbook about their upcoming Kickstarter. But first, let's meet our panel who's going to talk about Labyrinth. And we'll kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. John Fisher is with us back at the roundtable. John Name your favorite inspiration for D and D villains. Well, James, I'm gonna I'm gonna come right out of the gate and say my favorite inspiration for a villain, and this is pretty broad, is mystery. Ooh. I don't want to know. I don't know I don't want to know what they want right away. I'm gonna have to figure it out as nice. a as a player. So I'm gonna say that is my favorite inspiration for a D and D villain. Ooh, I like that. That is that is a really good broad inspiration. So, John, it's great to have you back here on the roundtable. Uh, also back, back oh, thank you, thanks, buddy. Uh, also back is Ben Heisler. Ben, welcome back to the roundtable. Name your favorite inspiration for D and D villains. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me back. It's exciting to be back. I was starting to wonder if we were ever going to get back on or if we had done some <laughs> faux pas. So it was like, oh, they keep having all these guests and they keep putting out episodes. And they're all really good and they haven't asked us back yet. <laughs> never, but anyway, never, sir. Never. So, uh, um, yeah. Enough about my vanity for now. Uh, my favorite inspiration for D&D villains is to um, take what the players either, uh, or not the players, but the player characters, uh, either uh, what they love, what they hate, things like that, and to twist it and turn it against them. So I generally have my overall villains be uh, not in scene for the first part of a campaign and let the characters develop some and once they get a feeling then i have a good idea of how i can you know stab them in the back and twist the knife and laugh maniacally as they come to truly hate that villain <laughs> oh that's super evil that's super super evil and i love it it's actually i i find a lot of tv shows uh take that approach right they let the main characters develop and then they introduce a really great villain in like the fourth season awesome stuff takes off because of that um, because they know so well how to torture their heroes which is great and Paige Lightman is back with us at the round table Paige name your favorite inspiration for a D&D villain hey man it's great to be back um, my favorite inspiration for a D&D villain and I'm probably tipping my hand a little too much to my players <laughs> when they hear this is I take a good guy a really good guy and then I figure out what would twist them to make them bad. Like, take <laughs> Princess Leia, obviously a good guy. What are her character traits that you could twist and amplify to make her a bad guy? She could become, uh, you know, extremely vain. She could become uh, very power-hungry. You could take somebody like uh, uh, Luke Cage, the hero of the hour. What mm. traits of his would you have to twist in order to make him a really compelling villain? Uh, desire for revenge, a desire for vengeance that kind of swamps all of his other good moral characteristics. So that's that's my secret recipe: is take a hero and break them. 
Nice, nice. I kind of want the three of you to all create a villain together, and I feel like it would be a terrifying adventure. Um, Wah! Wah! (laughs) Wah! Well, that's really, really awesome. So uh, the reason we're talking about villains is uh, we had a a rumor dropped that an adventure popped up on Amazon from Wizards of the Coasts called Labyrinth, no title. Uh, We believe this is the code name for one of the upcoming D&D adventures uh, that would be coming out in April. It seemed to be about the right price, about 50 bucks, um, you know, uh, available in hardcover in April, something that was called Labyrinth. And that's really all we know. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about, like, what do we think this next adventure is? What do we think it could be? What do we hope it is? Um, So, you know, with a name like Labyrinth, one can assume probably some sort of large dungeon crawl. Uh, But why don't we start with you, Paige? What do you think Labyrinth is? Well, you asked me two separate questions. What do you think it will be and what do you hope it will be? Yes, I'd like to know both. So I hope it would be a fantastic D&D adventure based on the movie Labyrinth. (laughs) We have, you know, the Goblin King and, you know, who's got the baby and you're trying to rescue them through this crazy labyrinth. That's... I think that would be a really fun D&D property, but that's probably not going to happen. But I just want to throw that hope out there. Uh, What do I think it's going to be? I think it's going to be one of the old classics, one of the old classic dungeons uh, brought up into the modern age. And my money's on White Plume Mountain. Oh, I love White Plume. I mean, who doesn't, right? Right. Uh, And uh, it's got some very labyrinthine passages in it and some excellent kind of twisty puzzles in it. And it's uh, it's my absolute favorite D and D mod. So, <laughs> so that's the, that's what I hope. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. We've seen them do everything from you know totally, totally new sort of adventure ideas to um, pretty much straight up reproductions with you know a five E updated spin, right? Like yep, Curse yep. of Strahd is pretty much the Ravenloft adventure with tons of awesome extra stuff uh, pulled from other Ravenloft source books and some new places, right? Added in. Yes, and it is an excellent love letter mm-hmm. to the fun we all had back in the 80s uh, yes. or whenever with uh, with our Ravenloft back in the day. So, and it, and it was successful. It was fantastically successful. They did a fabulous job. Yes. And frankly... I, you know, White Plume Mountain had probably just as much stuff to it as the original Ravenloft, uh, minus one dead sexy vampire. And, uh, you know, that that's still a fertile ground. I mean, you don't have a dead sexy vampire, but you have Aserac the Lich. So, pretty hot that's villain true. at the center of that one, too. That's true. And Aserac also appears in another famous dungeon, Right? He's also in the Tomb of Mars? Yeah. Yes, yes. So, um, but it's, I, I, you know, I think that this is, this is a great choice. And it could be, you know, it could be a little more elemental evilly, a little more inspired by. It could be a little more straight up love letter like Strahd. Uh, You know, it it would be interesting to see how they would do White Plume Mountain in 5e. I would love to see that. Well, it'd be nice to look at the whole dungeon ecology because we're much uh, wiser now than we Mm -hmm. were back then. 
And so, you know, there should be a town and, you know, what is Asrak doing? And there's the Dracolich there and what's its story? So I think there's plenty of hanging plot threads that you can turn into some really fun material. That's right. That's right. And the page count is much larger. Uh, so you've yeah. got that going for you too, right? Yeah. Uh, you can get into more detail. John Fisher, what about you? What do you think Labyrinth is and what do you hope it is? All right. So... I have very little background knowledge in terms of older D&D adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. A couple that I know of from 3rd edition, and then the things from 5th, and that's basically it. So uh, I probably could have thought about it from that point of view, but it would have been a pretty shallow answer because I don't know that, that much. Instead, what I did was I went into the monster manual, and I thought, what are cool monsters that have not had <laughs> anything to do with any of the adventures so far? And then I thought, which ones would make a labyrinth? And uh, and like a labyrinth is obviously something that's like designed, but it's also something that's very confusing. Like that's the point. So it's very chaotic. And I thought, what if a labyrinth is something that was created by Slod? And I thought, yeah, sure, why not? So that's what I hope it is. <laughs> why not? Uh, so you hope it's like a crazy Slad dungeon, Slod dungeon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That would be amazing, and it, there could be like all kinds of shifting parts and stuff like that. Oh man! Yes, you might so. have stumbled upon something because it does seem right. We do see a lot of themed adventures from them as well, right? Like dragons, elementals, giants, undead, right? So, like, what is the thing they have not done yet? Uh, that's kind of a great way to approach it. I love that. I've got a whole list here, so if they've got if they want someone for ideas, just come to me because I literally just wrote a list of twelve things from the monster manual. But they should come to me. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear what else is on your list if you don't mind firing them off real fast. Sure, uh, aberrants was a big one, so beholders are elithids, right? Mm-hmm. Genies, mm. um, a lich, which we you got you guys kind of already discussed that, uh, and then uh, slod, and then angels. Because oh, uh, why not? You gotta, gotta, you got some pages in there. You gotta use right, and then uh, I also thought Yugoloths because again, why not? Most of these are why not. Um, <laughs> like I don't have an idea, but you know they should go for it. Sure, sure. They're professionals. Yeah, you could have Modrons, right? Uh, so yeah, there's all kinds of stuff you could do. That's awesome. Ben, what do you think? What do you what do you think Labyrinth is, and what do you hope it is? So I'm going to go with Labyrinth being a title that they're totally throwing us off with, and it's not going to be a Mm. Labyrinth at all. It's going to be all outdoors, and it's where they're going to premiere the uh, updated Ranger, because where better to do the updated Ranger than in an adventure all set throughout the wilds? (laughs) So I think that Labyrinth is the Blue Harvest title for the (laughs) Wildlands Return of the Jedi super adventure. That's Um, awesome. (laughs) So, um, and since I have put my money on that outlandish idea, I am going to keep on keeping on. And I'm going to say that instead of it being a uh, traditional classic like uh, White Plume Mountain or like uh, Brain, Brain, why you you betray me, uh, or like Tomb of Horrors, Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be something else that is updated that was a lot of fun back in the day. And I'm going to say it's Red Hand of Doom for 5th edition. Ooh, all right, all right. So, 
So it's going to have a lot of espionage and guerrilla tactics and things going out in the woods. And we've already taken care of Tiamat in 5th edition, but we've already seen through the fact that the rise of Tiamat shattered the ordning that uh, there's all kinds of unintended consequences to power vacuums. So instead of, you know, a bunch of uh, marauding bands that uh, worship Tiamat, they're going to, you know, be left to their own devices and be even worse off. Uh, for everyone else because they're not being controlled. I love that. Yeah, that would be really cool. And also, right, like, Storm King's Thunder got, you know, spoiled because uh, a German bookstore spilled the beans early online, right, or something like that. So there's all kinds of reasons that maybe they would pick a Blue Harvest-style codename to uh, to throw people off. So, and I would love to see... Uh, all right, so I'm, I'm going to ask the dumb question, what is Blue Harvest? Ah, yes. Ben, do you want to explain Blue Harvest? And here, my wife, I thought you were a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Uh, so Blue Harvest was the production name for Return of the Jedi so that uh, when they were in town, wherever they were, and they said, we're making a film called Blue Harvest, this a little artsy film, that the uh, not everyone would be like, oh my god, descend upon where they're filming Return of the Jedi. Uh, part one and then part two would be that so that people didn't gouge them for prices because they would know that they'd be the third film in a successful you know, trilogy. So mm-hmm. Blue Harvest was the production name for Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it was ah, a, got it. It was a red herring for a blue harvest. Well, I think you know, Ben, you brought up the ranger, which I think is is kind of a good point to bring us to the next question, which is we're seeing often uh, not necessarily for the adventure, but where we've seen with elemental evil, and then um, you know between Strahd and. Uh, out of the abyss and uh and now after storm king's thunder we've seen some interesting supplements come out right we saw the elemental evil players companion uh we saw the sword coast adventurer's guide and now we know volo's guide to monsters is also coming out um if this were to have some sort of supplement coming out near it uh what sort of supplement would you want to see would you want to see Something for DMs, uh, something for adventurers, something that we we haven't seen yet, right? Like, because we've got some uh, Sword Coast, a lot of Sword Coast information and some new player options in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Volos is going to be a bestiary that also has some new racial options, it sounds like, for players. Um, You know, Elemental Evil Player's Companion was pretty much all for players, new spells, new races, and stuff like that. Uh, So, Ben, why don't we start with you, because you sort of got the conversation started with the Ranger. What would you want to see come along with this adventure, or, uh, you know, if not along with this adventure, in a supplement that maybe comes out around the same time? So either in the adventure or in a supplement, I would love to see some, you know, we we have seen 5th edition now for a couple years, and we have seen kind of what all the base stuff that they've put out, and we've run with it and run with it and run with it and run with it now for a few years with a few little additions. Um, so what I'd like to see is uh, the quote-unquote great mechanical update that uh, Mike Merle says that they've been working on now for a while and have, you know, like the updated ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, some other classes maybe that either have additional paths or get a facelift depending on, you know, 
what people think of them after <laughs> having played with them and broken them for a couple of years and gone like, all right, well, now that we've seen how it can go, let's see if we take it a slightly different direction. Um, I think there's a lot of, and I've, I believe I may have said this before, either loudly on the internet um, or uh, on a podcast, that I believe there's a lot left to do with the quote-unquote base classes uh, mm. that mm -hmm. I don't think that we need to be jumping into um, scions and psionics and all that kind of stuff. And that may be a, you know, grognard un unpopular opinion, but uh, I think that we, we have a lot of miles left to go with A, what we've got already by just tweaking it and giving it some more options rather than making entirely new classes. And I would love to see things not go down the path of and I love my pathies, so nothing against you, but uh, <laughs> I would love to not have nearly as many classes as Pathfinder has. And I'm always kind of hawkish on the lookout that things might start heading that way. So, Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it might be cool to um, see some sort of uh, subclasses, right, or, or some of those archetypes filled out within what we already have. Um, and I, I liked what you said about, you know, watching the bloat, right? We're seeing, uh, we're seeing in the Adventurers League the hard and fast rule of, like, in the new guide, you can use one book, but you can only use that one book, right? So you can't take a Furf Nablin and then also be a blade singer. Um, you know, you have to stick to just one of the supplements that's already out. It couldn't be one of those anyways because you have to be an elf or a half-elf. Oh, that's true. Yes. Hashtag yeah. nerd. Good also, point. Good point. Also, Surf. Aren't Surf Neblin in the Sword Coast Adventures guy? Oh, uh, John, you got me. Are they? <laughs> yeah, I'm they pretty sure in, they're in both. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure oh. they're in both. All right. Well, if they're in both, then they're in both. I was always so used to them just being in the Elemental Evil book. Yeah. Well, book, that is I a mean, poor PDF. example for many reasons. But you couldn't be a mastermind rogue and an air genasi. There you go. Hey, that one sounds right. right. Yeah, that, that one fits. That one works. <laughs> right. Uh, John, Rough how about you? Uh, wh what sort of supplement would you want to see come out uh, with this Labyrinth adventure? So I'm not sure. I'm not sure about if there, I can think of like a themed supplement like they kind of have in terms of, you know, coming up with subclasses or coming up with new races and then that's what the supplement's basically been focused on. But one thing that I think they could definitely supplement, I don't, it probably isn't a whole book. It's probably, probably only 10 pages at best would be coming up with some new non-magical equipment, basically things that the players could use to be a little bit more versatile, especially like um, in, I'm in two of your games, James. And in the one I play a wizard and the other, I play a rogue and I have a lot of fun in both. But that's because I'm playing a mastermind rogue, so I actually still have a lot of options with that. But like I, I know, I know fighters can it can become a you know hit, keep hitting, don't stop hitting mm -hmm. kind of game. I think it'd be it'd be nice to have some addition for um, people who can't uh, reshape reality um, of some kind. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any specific ideas, but that's like that would be where I would that'd be the hole I would fill. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, ben, do you have a response? So I, I, I'm trying, like, my fire's my favorite class, so I, I can, <laughs> I'm trying not to be that guy, but, um, Oh, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad class. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it can be, can be limited. And I think that there, it, it's an easy enough thing to make more versatile, 
um, just by adding equipment that does things. Sure. Yeah, really. yeah, sure. I will totally agree with that. I think uh, the champion fighter is uh, short and sweet and simple, and that's perfect for getting people into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the Battlemaster and Elder Knights do have more options to them that make them more fun for people who have played more. Sure. So, yeah, and yeah, John. Total, totally agree that there's more to be done with equipment. High five. <laughs> <laughs> and John, you. Uh... You've been playing, right? Uh, we tend to run longer games, so uh, I think there's something to be said. If Starting out, right, having a champion fighter is great, but if for two years you're level 19 and you're still a champion fighter, uh, you might have gotten a little bored, depending on, you know, uh, how imaginative you can you can be and your DM allows you to get with the rules and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it would be cool to see some more equipment options. Uh, I think across the board, really, uh, you know, not just for fighters, but for everybody. I agree with that, John. That's great. Uh, Paige, what about you? What, what sort of supplements would you want to see come with Labyrinth? So I am um, I'm a curmudgeon and I have a certain uh, reputation to uphold on the 5th edition Facebook group because I don't want no more stinking supplements. <laughs> um, I'm, I have been very pleased with the release schedule thus far, and I'm a frequent reposter of Mike Merle's uh, line from the Reddit AMA in January or February of this year, where he's like, you know, we've seen what happens when our pr- production schedule is too fast. We're going to take it really slow this time. And I'm, I'm super a fan of that. Um, Having said that, putting small amounts of new material out is a good thing. I believe that the Ranger playtest is certainly an upgrade. So I could see a limited amount of new material coming out about like it did with Skag with Labyrinth, and that would make me happy. We're going to get a whole bunch more races with Bolo, so everybody's going to go bananas with that. So a little, I wish you guys could see the dance that Ben is doing, because it's the bananas dance. (laughs) Um, And uh, so I'm okay with some new class options coming out with Labyrinth, whatever it might be, but I'm really cautious about too much. I'm really cautious about too much. Sure. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, You know, I agree that I definitely don't want to see too much um, and I think Wizards is doing a great job uh, walking that line of like enough content to keep people interested and by making it a lot of adventure content and also by making, you know, uh, by making half of their book with Sword Coast Adventures Guide or even more than half like lore and story lore. I think that was actually pretty smart. I know some people were a little disappointed by that, right? Um, but no, it was straight up, straight up good choice. Like everybody, there's like there's there are holy wars fought about twice a month uh, <laughs> on the fifth edition Facebook group page, and I only mention that because it's the Bane amalgamated of views of well, yes, that too, <laughs> but the uh, amalgamated views of thirty thousand D and D players. Sure. So I feel like it's a really valuable microscope into the greater D and D playing gestalt. You can kind of get an idea of the the trends on people's minds. And there's a certain loud demographic that's angry and ready for PHP two. And mm-hmm. I, I do not think we are there yet. No, no. I think, you know, especially as these books trickle in little things, uh, I think it's great. And I also think like how many 
D&D characters have people played. I'm still I'm running my first campaigns from right after the book launched, you know? Um, yeah, you like, I... How many people's have how many characters have people play? I'll tell you, man. I'll I will look it up right now. I'm betting it's twelve. Uh, ben, you want to count yours? <laughs> well, and you guys uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. Really eleven. And you're very active. You know, I would say you you are playing uh, tons. You're playtesting adventures because you write them. You're very active in the Adventurers League. You're active in planning conventions and stuff like that. So the fact that you've only got that many uh, and means there's still archetypes and race class combinations you haven't even touched, you know, right. um, I think is, uh, is pretty cool. list. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Actually, I figured out which races and classes I haven't played. And uh, <laughs> I'm due up for a Gnome wizard, a dragonborn barbarian, an elf druid, and a half elf ranger. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you know, and plus, I have, there's I have tons, a lot of fighters. Tons of free playtest material, uh, unearthed yeah. arcana stuff that people can try. Yep. So, uh, so you got that going for you too. If you're if you're really looking for something new. Um, and you want to want to hit your DM with that, and you're not playing in the Adventurers League. That's other other good stuff to try is in there. So yeah, and the the playtest material I think has been a real boon for the folks that are playing in home games that want to do something different, and it allows them to free of charge, which is important, uh, try some different things. Mm-hmm. And so I believe, in my mind, that the Unearthed Arcana should scratch the itch of the people who are agitating for a PHP two. Sure. Um, and, and yet it does not clog us up with supplements. So it makes both sides happy. Yeah. That's just one woman's opinion though. I think that's really smart. Uh, and it's a very informed opinion. So, uh, I appreciate it. Um, you know, John, uh, your monster list, I think is a, is a great question, a great final question about Labyrinth. Um, so, uh, as we're thinking about, uh, creatures in D&D and Volo's Guide to Monsters is coming out, what do we want to see be the sort of central monster here, uh, of this campaign? Uh, John, you've said, uh, slads. Um, why is it slads for you? What, what, what is so interesting about that? I just think that they're, they're interesting as villains because, I mean, I think their art kind of implies and always has implied that they're villains, but at the same time, you know, they're just chaotic neutral for the most part, but there's, there's some motivation there. I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of tough. Like with demons, they just want to destroy everything because they're evil and they want to be evil and okay. Uh, but with slot, I don't really know what they what they want i mean maybe the monster manual tells me but who knows uh and i and i and i do i do legitimately think it's a good combination if they actually wanted to go with some completely confusing um nonsense labyrinth mm-hmm. it makes sense thematically to have a creature of complete chaos doing that yeah, it'd be a great way to have, like, dinosaurs and sharks and, uh, you know, uh, flumps all in the same place. Um, so, would be to have a, a chaos dungeon run by Slad. And I believe, I'm sorry that I keep saying Slads, I think it's actually Sladi. Um, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure if 5th edition kept that convention or not. Uh, no, they did. They did. I just ignored it when I said it. <laughs> they did. 
you know, um, aboleths would be a good um, mm. good option too. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Talk about aboleths a little bit, Paige. Why do you Why do you think aboleths would be good? I like slotty because or uh, aboleths because they're super intelligent. Mm. They are um, interested in building up empires. Like they don't want to just tear everything down. They want to enslave everything. So they have a good reason not to straight up murder PCs, and you play all kinds <laughs> of fun things where you know you you're aboleth thrall. One of the best games I've ever played in. We were. Aboleth thralls and had to get out and uh, nice. It was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. So, um, I I just like aboleths. They're they're builders. They're weird. They're evil. Yeah, Good yeah, stuff. they're awesome, and they're they're aquatic, which makes them extra weird. I think uh, and oh yeah, terrifying. Oh. yeah. Plus plus it allows me to put twelve years of college in into work for it. So. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and Ben, how about you? Uh, what sort of creature would you like to see be the centerpiece of uh, of a, a new adventure? Oh man! So, like, I uh, uh, why why do you ask me the hard questions? Because <laughs> uh, there's so many good monsters. Like, there's just so many good monsters that haven't you know seen much of the light of day, if any at all. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's like. Um, I mean, at this point, and when this airs, it'll be a little later. But the Baldman Games core series just came out, and it has some some bad guys that you don't see very often. That's super cool. And I, I was about to spoil it, and then I was like, no, no, be better than that. <laughs> um, but it has a bunch of cool bad guys that you don't see very often. Um, but I'm gonna go with, uh, and this this kind of goes back to your last question a little bit, and it might go back to Volo's Guide since they're one of the races that I believe is uh, is in there. But I would like to see a adventure where when we were when we were promised fifth edition, and I'm here here I go off on another tangent, kids, buckle up. Um, but when we were promised fifth edition, it was going to be like characters. The math is not going to be all crazy powerful. Enemies that are dangerous when you're a low-level character are still going to be dangerous when you're a higher-level character. Blah 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 blah. So I would love to see a adventure where the primary antagonists are the warlike or savage, you know, races. So orcs, hobgoblins, bugbears, you know, maybe up to trolls. But I'd like to see them organized and together and with it, and actually modifications to those races that sees them have a higher challenge rating and, you know, proves that like, Oh, even an orc, when you get to level eight or 10 or 12 or 15, the right kind of work can still totally ruin your day just showing up. So when somebody says, Oh man, there's some orc words over there. When you're level 12, you don't, you know, suddenly spit your drink out laughing. That's, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, so that's my answer. And I hope that that is how it works out. And I hope that at some point I play high enough level against stuff like that uh, that I can see if they were if they stuck with that design decision or not. Because at the moment, uh, it's one of those things like as you go up, you generally face higher and higher challenge rating stuff, mm-hmm. and you don't ever go back and fight, you know, Urogs, which you know they're challenge rating. Somebody help me out here. Two. Two. All right. I thought they were slightly higher than that, but uh, enough of those together would probably wreck your day with their uh, their special abilities and the fact that they hit pretty hard and all have great axes and all that jazz. But more things along that line to upgrade the quote unquote savage traditional fantasy bad guy races. 
Totally. Yeah, I agree. That would be awesome to see some, uh, you know, just just fighting hordes and hordes of orogs and and stuff like that at higher levels would be really fun. Uh, you'd have to make sure the encounters stayed interesting, but it, it could be really cool to do if you can pull it off. In my infinite spare time, I prepared a dissertation on the gnolls of Faroon <laughs> so that you can fight them up at 20th level, but that's a long time coming. Oh, that is awesome. I can't wait for it. So, And I hope that you wear your knoll mask uh, while you are uh, preparing it. So um, It'll be on the author picture. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I think that is going to do it for this segment of the Roundtable. But before we go, John Fisher, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at the Last Fisher, and they can hear me every other week on the Have Spellbook Will Travel podcast, James. Yes, the Have Spellbook Will Travel podcast, which is a scripted comedic radio play written by myself and Rudy Basso. Uh, and uh, John Fisher plays the fan favorite character of Thoven. Um, so, uh, so yeah, definitely check that out at havespellbook.com, uh, and follow John on Twitter and tweet at him to tell him how great he is. Uh, and Ben Heisler, where can people find you? So I, I haven't been very active, so shame on me, but I can be found on Twitter at, at Zentarum PR. So Zentarum is in the race of incredibly heroic, totally not bad guys we promise, uh, of the Forgotten Realms. And then PR for public relations. Public relations. Awesome, awesome. And uh, uh, perhaps Paige is going to bring this up, but uh, you also have an adventure that was uh, thrown up on the DMs Guild today that you and Paige wrote together uh, that people should also check out. Uh, Paige, where can people find you, and what is the name of that adventure that will be linked in the show notes over at thetomeshow.com? Man, you are so smooth. You are the best. (laughs) best. So you can find me in two different places. You can either find me on Twitter at at Paige Lightman. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, I know you'll have the spelling on the webpage. Uh, The other place you can find me is the 5th edition Facebook group for D&D. So that's groups slash D-N-D-5-T-H. Uh, come come see me there and join the discussion. It is one fun, crazy group. And the, awesome. the name of the adventure is The Black Road. Yes, The Black Road, and it is quite good. Uh, people oh, should definitely you. check it out. Yeah, yeah, I really, really enjoy it. Um, so, uh, and I'm, I'm hankering to play it, because so, I've only read it at this point. But, uh, but these guys I would be pros. happy to DM it for you online anytime. Ooh, that is a great offer that I may take you up on. So, uh, Please do. If you aren't sick of DMing this adventure. No, no, it's good fun. Uh, it gets a little better every time we tell it. Oh, yep. good, good. Uh, well, everybody, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable today. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, everybody. Now, recently on the show, I've been talking a lot about how I want my wife, Bonnie, to play D&D because she never has. Well, she sat down with me last week and a group of friends, and we played it for the first time, and I thought it would be cool to interview a completely new player, someone who's never played a computer game RPG, really, someone who has never played a tabletop RPG, uh, about what 
her experience was like playing this game. Uh, so right now I'm going to roll the interview with my wife, Bonnie MacDonald. Okay, everybody, I am here with my wife, Bonnie MacDonald. Bonnie, welcome to the roundtable. This is your first time on. <laughs> wow, thank you. This is like surreal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you usually hear this podcast through a door. I know. Th- no, this is, I'm being very serious about how surreal this is for me right now. <laughs> I have never been even present for one besides sneaking in to get something from our office. <laughs> well, um, you are here because uh, you're going to talk about what everybody talks about on the podcast, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, So listeners of this podcast probably know that I, for a long time, have been eager to play a game with you um, (laughs) as the most important person in my life. uh, And as (laughs) D&D is the most important hobby in my life, I wanted to bring the two together. Um, So so we have played. We We have. Yes. It happened. <laughs> Two days it ago, in fact. <laughs> it did happen. Before we get to what you thought about it um, and how your experience was and how you found it, let's talk a little bit about the buildup, okay? <laughs> uh, so this is this is the first time we played, but not first attempt, right? No. Yeah. No, it was not uh, first attempt. I'm not going to name any names on this podcast about people who have uh-huh. too many friends and can't schedule <laughs> D&D games with us. Uh, but we did have a group that we wanted to try and play with some people who had already played Dungeons and Dragons and all of the, I think all of the ladies. And so it was three couples, us being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, and the other two couples, I think both of the ladies had not played D and D before. Um, but it was just too, it was just like impossible to schedule. We just could yeah. not get it together. Um, so, but I got really, really eager to play and I really wanted to give it a chance. And so we decided to put together a group of, another group of couples, mm-hmm. but all newbies, except for one. But the the person who had played, uh, Dave, is also, uh, had only played this year. So it was pretty much all newbies. Um, and that was really exciting for me uh, to know that we would all be coming to it kind of new and pretty much everybody in the group like aren't even really gamers in the way that you and your podcast listeners are gamers. One couple, um, Anchi and Matt, we play a lot of board games with, but we don't, you know, we don't do role-playing epics. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I think that's important, right? It's important that, uh, and this wasn't something that had occurred to me when we first started to talk about, like, maybe you would want to play, were you interested that you were the one who brought up, you didn't want to be the only new player. You know, yeah. um, I had thought about maybe you didn't want to be the only female uh, at the awesome. table. <laughs> but but the fact that you didn't want to be the only new player was something that hadn't really occurred to me. And I think it's good for the listeners to hear because they might have somebody they want to introduce to the game. And that, as soon as you said it, that made perfect sense. But it wasn't a thing that had I had thought of, right? Right. And, you know, it's funny. This is almost completely unrelated, but it actually made me think of this situation would come into my brain of this time when I was actually at a casino. So those are all games, right? But completely different games, completely different crowd of people, you know, drinking and gambling late at night and that kind of thing. And I remember... Uh, several times trying to play roulette, which I had a very 
small understanding of and walking up to the table and doing something wrong, you know, putting my chip down before that little glass thing gets taken away or whatever. And the people at the table, like it was a visceral reaction, everybody being super mad at me that I was coming up to this table, probably, you know, I was very young when this was happening, like 21, 22 and just doing everything wrong. And I think that kind of carried over as well as, you know, some gaming experiences that I've had where people are a little bit bossy and not patient about people <laughs> learning the rules. And I like to play games when they are fun. Sure. And about the spirit of like the, the spirit of competition, very, very low, <laughs> very low stakes. <laughs> right. And just to be clear, just to be clear, listeners, Bonnie is not talking about me being bossy no. and impatient. So. No, never. I has <laughs> never been impatient in our entire five and a half year relationship. <laughs> so that is definitely not the case. Really, the fact that I knew that you were going to be running the game because you've taught me so many other board games had made me feel so comfortable. I knew that you and I would have no problem. If you and I were to play an epic by ourselves, <laughs> I would have done it years ago. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's actually uh, one of the things we should talk about because before we played this game, we sort of did plan an epic by ourselves. Um, we talked heavy. So Bonnie, for people who don't know, is an uh, actress. Uh, well, she... I was. <laughs> I was a theater major. Right. So, I mean, studied theater very intensely mm -hmm. and did a lot of acting as a young person, but not in my adult right. <laughs> career. But so I knew the storytelling aspect of the game was, that's what I always thought you would be most into. And so we crafted your character's backstory together. I sort of took care of the numerical parts of building your character, but I wanted it to be something that you really loved. Um, yeah. So we talked about what you wanted to create on a long car ride. Uh, and I, uh, and that was like an epic we sort of built together about this hero you created, right? Yeah, and that was definitely the most fun part for me. So when I was thinking about us doing this podcast, I was thinking about how if people are trying to uh, get a special someone, whether it is a romantic person or a friend, to start playing that um, and again, about your podcast, your your blog post that you did uh, the oh, other day. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, that was actually the part that I told James to add in to say, it's really like, try and think about why that person would have so much fun. And I had told James many times since we have lived together for quite a long time, and even when we weren't, I would, you know, we spent a lot of time together, and I would tell James, that looks like way too much work. I just dismissed <laughs> D&D immediately. I was like, too many books, too many numbers, too much math. <laughs> I don't know what you do. You're doing things for hours. Like, what's happening? Um, <laughs> little did I know that James is obsessed with D&D. &D, and so you spend maybe more time than other people do reading the books and creating maybe. things. But anyway, <laughs> for you being able to recognize what part I would really like, that was that kind of almost like unlocked it for mm -hmm. me and creating that character and you being able to say like, okay, so like, where did you do that? Or who did you learn that from? Or who is this person exactly? And uh, it was like the first time I had tapped into my imagination in that way in such a long time. And I just, I couldn't get enough. And then sometimes, you know, like me and James would be falling asleep and I'd be like, James, 
can my character do this? Like I was so <laughs> excited to uh, to bring this character to life in this way that I hadn't gotten to do, you know, since I was in college. <laughs> so is that what got you really excited to play D and D? Was was building this character together? Um, did you yeah. have excitement before then, or interest before then? I think I had interest for sure, but because it was important to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if I'm going to be completely honest on this podcast, then yeah. no, I didn't really have any interest besides that. I wanted to understand, you know, this thing that you as the listeners realize that James dedicates like pretty much his whole life to. Uh, but other than that... Also my wife. Also a dedicated <laughs> husband. Very dedicated to my wife, Bonnie. And my wife, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> A polygamist, <laughs> if you will. That is definitely the nature of our relationship. But yes, yeah, so I wanted to understand it because it was important to you. And it wasn't until we were we were going on a long drive on vacation from San Diego to Los Angeles that we decided to do this character building. And that was got what got me like really raring to go. I was genuinely excited uh, mm-hmm. in the weeks leading up to our game. Nice. That's great. Right. Go me. All right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the actual game uh, before. Let's let's give people some context. Mm-hmm. What what was your character? Uh, who what were you playing? Yeah. Oh, I was so excited to talk about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so my character was an elf ranger, a very young elf r- ranger. I think we said she was twenty seven mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Jalen. Uh, and she, I'm like, I don't want to give away too much if our friends listen to this. (laughs) Um, But uh, she is a rather damaged uh, elf ranger, and what was fun about it was originally... I had, oh gosh, we have to remember the name of this character, but the the elf ranger in The Hobbit Mm -hmm. is the character I wanted to be, essentially. I told James, like, verbatim. Evangeline Lilly. Yes, yes. yeah. And I told James verbatim, I want to be a sexy elf ranger. (laughs) Like, that's what I wanted to do. And then as we started creating this character, I don't, I can't even remember how it happened, but all of a sudden everything got like really dark and we took this really weird turn with it and she's like super damaged and not the majestic elf that I had you know in my head you know the Legolas from Lord of the Rings at all she was really um she had all this darkness and she's not very verbal which obviously I am not that person at all (laughs) so it was so different from me and so fun to kind of delve into her backstory and she um I had her uh be raised by a human ranger Mm. uh, who is like kind of seedy and has his own kind of crazy background and and baggage so that she would be, you know, she would have all of these natural abilities, but no one to teach her the ways of the elves. Exactly. Nice. And, And we should mention for our listeners, just so they know, because I'm sure they're saying ranger what why would you play a ranger they're so underpowered yada yada uh this is the uh this is the playtest ranger uh from unearthed arcana that we discussed on our show a few weeks ago so it's a good uh i have an ulterior motive which is i get some good playtest data uh out of this um but yeah we had a blast building that character together i think that was super super fun um and now let's talk about the actual game you know our friends came over i explained 
explained the rules for a little while. We jumped in. We started playing. Uh, we're playing through the beginning of Storm King's Thunder. Um, so um, I've modified it a little bit, obviously, to, to fit our characters and to work in your backstory and the backstory of some other people, um, which range from uh, Jalen's very serious sort of damaged background to over-the-top silly <laughs> in nature. Uh, so it's it's quite an interesting party. But um, how, how do you think the actual game itself went? It was really fun. So much fun. And we're so blessed that we have these, uh, you know, these amazing friends who were so enthusiastic and just gung-ho about it. And mm -hmm. James and I were lamenting that we didn't have the mic running and recording during dinner that we had before because all we did was talk about D&D. Everyone had a thousand questions and how do I do this and how does this work and wait a minute and some of the things they were asking were kind of hilarious just even to me when I know the slightest bit about D&D. Right. Yes, um, yeah. One, one of our friends thought that uh, she was going to have to like stand up and act out every <laughs> single thing that she wanted her character to do, um, which is, I, I told her if she wanted to do that, that was totally fine, but it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was gung ho. She, she was so ready to, to do that. Um, but, uh, the, so the game was really fun. I definitely think what I enjoyed the most was the role playing part. And I know that, you know, several of our friends do not have a theater background at all. And they just launched right into it. Like crazy detailed backstory and like what I thought was great was um so James kind of introduced the game I have no idea if this is the way you usually do it or not but he introduced the game where we all kind of talked about our last quest together as a party and had to create a story of how the person to our left had saved our lives and that actually might have been my favorite part and I was so impressed how everybody, especially the people without any kind of improv or background or D&D experience at all, just immediately just, oh yeah, I can think of something, and just immediately launched into an awesome game and to watch them create it as it came out of their mouth <laughs> was so much fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you did a great job of putting a lot of action into it. So we got mm -hmm. to do two battles during our first game, which was really fun. Um, I definitely felt frustrated at times that I felt like we got, and this happens with board games too, when got really bogged down in the decision making <laughs> of like, are we going to go to this place or that place? And I was like, well, it's a game. Like, let's just go to one of them. Something <laughs> will happen. Like, I don't, you know, so um, I felt like, you know, maybe people were even getting a little bit bogged down with the you know, how some games don't really work that way. Like, you can make a bad decision and you can die. But in D&D, especially in this first game, I knew you weren't going to do that to mm -hmm. us. I knew you were going to keep it flowing so that we all had fun and that we could play again. Right. So, <laughs> no, but maybe they didn't know that, you know. Yeah, maybe they got sure. nervous. Sure, yeah. And I think when you haven't played a game like that before, it's hard to know. And there are... There are dungeon masters who will say, well, you made the wrong choice and now you're dead. Uh, I guess because they never want their wife to play ever again. <laughs> yeah, that would have been not as fun. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's also, it's one of those things, there's a balance because some, the fun for some people 
uh, is in the planning. I am with you. Whenever I play a game, I just want to keep the story moving, and I want to keep hearing what's next and discovering stuff. Uh, the Basso brothers, who you know well, Rudy <laughs> and Alex, uh, they are planners and love. They love like a heist. Like whenever I throw something in where they need to figure out a mystery or rob a bank or mm -hmm. find out what's in the vault, that's their favorite because they can spend. I mean, I've seen them spend upwards of two hours planning two stuff hours? out. <laughs> I could not, Rudy. Oh no, well, I don't know if we could ever play together. I could not handle that. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's fun. So, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. And how how did you find getting a grasp on the mechanical rules themselves? You know, we've talked a lot about the storytelling. So. Well, yeah, uh, so I think for me, and James knows this, I don't know how to give a background on this, that it usually takes me with any game I'm starting to play, like, until the very end, where I'm like, oh, I get how this game works. So I felt like that was the same thing. Like, it wasn't until the last hour that I really realized, oh, I can make an action, and that means this, and then... And then when I take my action, I have to roll the dice once, and then I have to roll the dice again for the damage. Like, that kind of eluded me, I think, because I was having so much fun with the role-playing part. Um, That's great. And uh, and I think that the, the player sheet may be... It, and, you know, it's hard, you know, when we're all just trying to have fun and do this for the first time. But I feel like if I had had it, and I did really have access to it, but if I had had access to it you know, the night before or a week before or something like that, then I could have read it over and maybe I would have felt a little bit more prepared. I got very, um, uh, it was overwhelming to me that one block at the bottom of the sheet where it kind of talked about everything about the, oh, the yeah. being a ranger and being in touch with nature. And I was like, there are so many words on there and I'm trying to have fun and I don't know what they mean and then I saw everybody else reading them and they were taking things from that and being and applying it to the game and I was like crap I don't even know what my character <laughs> can do so and I think you you did that a little bit differently than D&D is usually played right uh so I put all of the information on there about what the abilities did normally in that section it would just say the name of the ability and then to remind you that you had it. But since not everybody had a player's handbook so that they could look that up, right? right. I listed out everything the ability could okay. do as a way of saying, so like you didn't have to constantly flip through books. And I think that might have been a little overwhelming for some of the other players too. Mm. Um, but it's, it's hard to say. I think it might have been even worse if I had said, you can, you have an ability called you know, um, natural explorer and right. here's the book, find it in there <laughs> and read the same block of text, you know? And we're all um, sharing like the two players handbooks that we own or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was part of it. Um, I do think now that people have the basics down, the like roll a 20, you can do something, right. yada, yada. I think that uh, it'll make more sense. And once we pick a date for our next game, my plan is to update every, everybody's character sheet and then email them to yeah. them so that they have them to look at. Yeah. And was it something different? Uh, that Because, you know, we created our character 
together. And I had like, we had all this time in a car mm-hmm. to create this rich backstory. But then you, you filled in a lot of the, the numbers for me. And then you did pretty much everything for everybody else. So they created their character, gave you a little bit of backstory, and then you created all of their, their, uh, you know, their levels and all that kind of stuff from there. And right. is that something usual that a dungeon master would do, or does the player do that themselves? So normally a player would do that themselves. Uh, if it's their first time coming to a game, typically what happens is the dungeon master or one of the players says like, okay, what do you want? And they fill it out, you know? Right. Um, but if, uh, or they use, there's a bunch of pre-generated characters you can find online right. that people use, and they'll also use those. Um, in this case, because I wanted... Because I knew it was going to be a longer campaign, I didn't want to necessarily use pre-generated characters and then have somebody find out, oh, I could have been a warlock or I could have been this. Um, So I wanted to give you the options and then build them myself because my plan would be, in an ideal world, eventually everybody would know enough about the rules that they would take over the management of leveling up their character mm-hmm. when they gain a level, picking new spells for themselves, picking new, um, you know, abilities and that sort of thing. Is is that in an ideal world, eventually you guys would take that over. Um, but it's pretty overwhelming to build a character when you don't know what the rules are yeah. uh, and try to get what you actually want out of it. Well, and I think that was a great tactic, too, because we could get right into the fun of it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if if everybody didn't have fun, if somebody didn't have fun that night, I mean, they are incredible fakers because we were laughing hysterically. <laughs> and it was so funny where James would say, you know, oh, and then, you know, Skrillex Killgood, uh, fan favorite already <laughs> in our game, Um uh, has found the letter with Jalen's name on it. And everybody, <gasps> you know, everybody's so into it. So I think that, you know, getting all that fun stuff out and to really, that's like the real spirit of the game. And then I, it really did seem like as the game went along, everybody was like, wait a minute, don't I have a spell that I can do? Like nobody was, I don't think anybody was as overwhelmed as I was about it. And clearly I'm playing again, so. Right, right. Well, and we should mention to our lovely listeners uh, that you are an amazing uh, cook and baker. uh, (laughs) And that you did get up to bake fresh cookies for everybody at one point. Um, So that was much appreciated, but also might have set you about 10 minutes behind everybody else. That's true. Um, That's totally true. Yeah. 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 Gotta keep the troops fed. Of course. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, that was my favorite part of the game. Um, So, but, and and luckily you have a tutor uh, in in this. Uh, So if you did want to sit down and talk more about the game, obviously, uh, (laughs) clearly willing to do that. (laughs) Clearly has been our pillow talk for the past week. So, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So, Bonnie, uh, before we go, uh, you know, normally I ask the listeners, is is there a place where people on the Internet can find you that you would like them to find you? Uh, yeah, so as James mentioned, I love to cook and bake, and I have an Instagram account where I post things sometimes, and that is <laughs> Amateur Hour Food. Uh, so at Amateur Hour Food on Instagram. Um, and I had a blog that I don't write on anymore, but there's some pretty dope recipes on there, which is what is this amateur hour.blogspot.com. Excellent. Or.org. I can't remember. <laughs> it's also .wordpress. 
That WordPress. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to do that again. What is this amateur hour dot wordpress.com? Excellent. Excellent. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable today. Thank you for inviting me, James. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> All right. I'll see you in the, in the, we live here together. So. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Bye All right. guys. Bye. <laughs> Okay, everybody, now it is time to roll my interview with our friends at Playbook. They have an exciting Kickstarter they are going to talk to us about, so here it is. All right, everybody, now I am here with some great minds from Trapdoor Technologies, Rachel Bowen and Evan Newton. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hey, everyone. Hey, glad to be here. So uh, so today we're talking about some exciting stuff. Last time we checked in with you, it was very, very cool. Uh, playbook for Pathfinder uh, was, uh, was coming down the pike. It is here. It has arrived. Let's talk about it. Playbook for Pathfinder. Uh, what is it and why is it amazing? Sure. Um, well, Playbook for Pathfinder is an app for playing Pathfinder. Um, it's, it handles your end-to-end role-playing experience. It has all of your books inside, your character sheets, and it also gives you tools as a GM to send messages back and forth. You can uh, manage your adventures and share things with your players. So all of that happens in one application, makes it super streamlined and easy. Nice. That's awesome. So basically, I don't have to carry around a lot of books. Uh, it does a lot of the math for me. It makes everything easier, faster. Pathfinder, we've got 7,000 options for every single decision point your character has to make now, right? Because the game's been out for so long and there's so many good books for it just put out by Paizo alone, right? Um, so this sort of streamlines that whole process and makes things easier. Yeah, that is that is the goal. Um, I mean, obviously, as you said, Pathfinder is not a small system. Um, <laughs> it's not an insignificant amount of material. Um, so currently, we are featuring the core rule books um, and from the PRD, and uh, and as we expand, we are going to be adding more and more um, over the course of the next few months. We just added the uh, Monsters Free yeah. to Playbook. And I think that's free to download. Yep. What? Um, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a reason right there to get it. So. <laughs> and we've also yeah. got the inner C primer for free as well. Um, and it's all it's all easily searchable and linked and everything. Um, super. I mean, it makes PDFs. We're we're really. I mean, we're, we want to drive home that PDFs are. The, I mean, they're going by the wayside, and we're here to present a new idea, a new solution for you. Yeah, because PDFs, I mean, essentially, they they do all of the things that a book does on screen, but they're not really that much better than that. So you guys have really developed a special sort of ebook, right, for all of these different things, and then this program sort of integrates all of that together. Exactly. We, I mean... When we first started on this project, we realized, well, there are great tools for role-playing games. There are great, you know, ebook platforms. Like, I mean, we've got Kindle, we've got iBooks, we've got all of these um, ebook readers. But there's nothing out there that takes those two experiences and puts them together, that links them together in a way that that works well. So that's really what we're trying to do. 
Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And it is, I mean, it is a super cool program. Uh, I think if people went to Gen Con, they definitely got to check it out. And now we're going to shift over. We're going to start talking about your Kickstarter a little bit. So I want to encourage listeners who are interested in this project to go to Kickstarter right now uh, or go to thetomeshow.com and click on the Kickstarter link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Or if you're at Kickstarter, search for Playbook and it comes up. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what your Kickstarter is for. This comes out of Gen Con 2016, right? Direct to requests. People have requested it and now you are Kickstarting it. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. So Playbook Essentials is... Um, as you said, in answer to the people that we met at Gen Con, we met hundreds and hundreds of people who were excited by the product, but were, you know, the next question they would ask is, is it on Android? Or, you know, what what can I play it on? Um, and so this this Kickstarter is is a direct answer to them. We want we want to be able to provide all of these tools uh, for what seems like you know a majority of the people use Android. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's definitely a, a growing market, right? So I think it's awesome that you guys have heard the requests from people, and now you are putting it out there. The Kickstarter is live, so I want to encourage people, if you're interested in this, to go like right now while you're listening to this podcast again because uh, you want to get in while it's actually happening, right? You want to get in on the ground level and make this happen. Um, so, but let's let's talk then a little bit about playbook for android so you're bringing this out there because this is what people want this is what people are requesting uh does it exist in another form right now can you get it for um you know for ios uh this version of the platform no so the idea behind playbook essentials is is twofold um playbook on ios is a very deep platform that's that's the one that that sort of goes into the minutiae of supporting pathfinder rules um playbook essentials is designed to go to android and also to cast the net a bit wider so we will be able to support more books maybe not even uh maybe not even exclusively pathfinder in playbook essentials um the idea is also to take a more modular approach to developing Playbook Essentials. We're starting with the library experience as the core of, of the feature set, and it will have the search uh, library books linked. Um, it will enable uh, messaging between players. Um, and as we, as we grow the platform, it's going to continue to add more support for those new features, uh, the character sheet uh, and character building, all of those things that uh, that we want to bring on um, as the app grows. Nice, nice. So this is this is a labor of love, obviously, that is going to continue to expand and and grow with the times, which is something the books on my shelves uh, don't do. And uh, one of the things that I think is really nice about this is, like you said, you're you're looking into maybe expanding beyond Pathfinder, going for some other systems. You're looking into how do people use this at play, right, at the table. So I love the fact that I have a way that I would be able to message fellow players across the table. Um, you know, especially I feel like as I get older, my games get more and more intrigue in them and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. And then Pathfinder, one of the things that makes Pathfinder great for me 
is all of these options, but one of the things that makes Pathfinder really hard and confusing is all of these options, and it sounds like this just makes all of that great and doesn't sort of, you know, it's it's no longer complicated. I no longer have to uh, flip through a bazillion books. I don't have to carry six billion books with me to my game. Um, so, uh, you know, so that is, is amazing. Uh, have you guys been using Playbook Essentials in your games right now? Yeah, uh, you, you can imagine the look on people's faces when you walk into a new game and sit down with, you know, a tablet and say, oh, ready to play. <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of people, we've, we've actually been hearing from some people, you know, some concerns about technology at the table, whether it's a distraction, people, you know, a lot of people don't like their phones out during gameplay and that sort of thing. And what we have found with, with this app is that, you know, while people do have a Pavlovian need to, like if there's a device in front of them to play around with it, what they're actually doing is playing inside the app. You know, they're looking at their character sheet. They're learning more about the rules. Um, the app is is fun and satisfying to use. Um, so that's you know, those are those are things that that I, I hope will address some of those concerns. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful interface that you have, um, and people can see it in the Kickstarter video here. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you have developed your user interface. Yeah, so our uh, we have worked with a uh, creative director who um, comes from a pretty pretty deep design background, and it it just occurred to us from the outset that we didn't want to set out to make another program that looked like, um, for lack of a better term, glorified tax preparation software. <laughs> and. You know, for us, you know, and we we love the other programs that are out there. We we use them, um, but we just thought, you know, what we'd really like to make something beautiful. We'd like to make something that that makes people look at it and go, "Wow, you know, that's really cool." Yeah, well, and it, I definitely do. You know, um, even just within this video, it's cool. But also getting to actually check it out and play around with it uh, makes it even even better. And I, like you said, I can picture people instead of uh, digging into the email or Facebook or Twitter or whatever at the table, they're actually going to be digging deeper into the app, which makes my GM heart happy. Um, you know, that's always a good thing. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Kickstarter then. Uh, so you've got many, many different pledge rewards here. Uh, what can people get out of the Kickstarter? Yeah, well, so we have a number of different options. Um, the The goal is to show sort of the breadth of feature options that you have with with the app. Um, you can buy sort of pre buy into our subscription for the application at a discounted rate. You can also purchase uh, group packages for your entire game group if you would like. Um, makes it super easy and streamlined. And there all are also at the top options for buying out the entire your a lifetime subscription um so for those players who you know like to have do the buy one and and it's done uh those options are available too oh that's awesome that's awesome and so it looks like you get uh, uh, a couple things if you go that big thousand dollar route right but there are things there that have sort of piqued my interest so there's a kickstarter exclusive interface skin that I'd love to hear more about. Um, but then there's also 
uh, trapdoor book titles that are available. So can you talk to me about those two things? Yeah, well, we have a couple of authors in-house and uh, actually ran a, an adventure from Chris Matney at Gen Con and had a lot of fun. It's a little, uh, you know, two-room, 30-minute uh, adventure um, called The Mausoleum um, that, that we will be sending out to people. Um, and uh, as far as the, the skin options, you know, one of the dreams that we've always had is, you know, as beautiful as, as Playbook looks, we also want to give people the options, the ability to customize the look and feel of the application. So um, getting an exclusive Kickstarter skin is going to be the, the first exclusive skin we will be building for the application. And that will only be available to people who pledge. Awesome. Awesome. So in addition to people who are going to pledge and back the Kickstarter, is there anything people can do to help who want to see this Kickstarter uh, come to life beyond, you know, um, paying for the product? Absolutely. I mean, share us on social media, talk to it and talk about it at your game tables. I mean, our, our Kickstarter video is, uh, is uh, pretty snappy and gives a good overview of what we're trying to do. Um, I would definitely encourage people to share it far and wide. Um, if you if you like games, um, you know one of the things I did want to say is that Playbook Essentials is actually one small piece of a bigger dream that we have um, a sort of curated network of distributing like games, enabling people to play, and giving people the ability to create their own content. Um, and also, you know, getting away from the, the tyranny that is PDFs. So um, if people like this project, then they will be very happy with, uh, with the, the further things we have in store. Nice, nice. So uh, it sounds like this is the first part of something way, way bigger, um, and uh, and people can help make that dream a reality, which is really cool. Uh, and we can also help with the grander goal of ending the tyranny of PDFs. Uh, <laughs> they're out there, and they're and they're getting you. Uh, so, but uh, it, it, there really is a better option. Um, really, really enjoyed all the stuff from Trapdoor that I have ever uh, you know gotten to lay my hands on and play with. Uh, uh, so, um, so I think it is a worthy thing. And I think the other thing to say is like, you are people who truly, truly love role playing games. Um, because, uh, a lot of smart people doing a lot of smart things could, uh, you guys could be making an, you know, billions of dollars making the next Instagram or whatever. Um, but, uh, but this is what you have all chosen to do, which I think is, uh, really great for the community and really noble and really helps support the games we love. So thank you for that. Uh, and, uh, and I think if people out there love that dream, uh, they too can, uh, can go support playbook essentials for androids again search for that on kickstarter or head on over to the tomeshow.com there's a link in the show notes uh where can people find you all out there in internet land in the interwebs um yes. you can find us on the twitters um we're at playbook or we're actually at trapdoor tech that one's kind of easier you know, the company or the product has changed names so many damn times over the course of four or three years that um, we've had to change our Twitter handle a lot, which has been a fun and exciting adventure. But Trapdoor, at Trapdoor Tech is a great uh, spot to find us. 
We're also on Facebook. I think it's, um, you know, Facebook slash Trapdoor Tech. Uh, you can email me whenever you want to, support at trapdoortechnologies.com. Uh, you can reach out through the Kickstarter. If you've backed, you can send us a message, ask us questions there. And you can also keep track of the, uh, the content that we were releasing in the applications. If you go to trapdoor.tech slash playbook slash blog, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of a mouthful, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, nice. we release content typically every Tuesday. So uh, we just released um, We Be Goblins, the Pathfinder Adventure, and then We Be Goblins 2, I think, which is free right now. Um, so yeah, if people want to check out, Playbook Essentials is different than Playbook for Pathfinder, but we do also have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can search YouTube for Trapdoor Tech, and there are videos there of me rolling up characters, uh, you know, doing some of the functions in Playbook, searching the library, playing around with the different widgets, that kind of stuff. So. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit more of a hands-on, hey, look at look at what it does videos on the YouTube channel. I just got a first finalized draft of Rise of the Rune Lords across my desk ready to uh, to review. Um, so that will be releasing in Playbook very soon. And it should be noted that the library in Playbook for Pathfinder will also be fully available and transferable between uh, Playbook for Pathfinder and Playbook Essentials. So everything you have in Playbook for Pathfinder and Playbook Essentials will, will be synced. Awesome. Well, people out there, you asked for it, and they are providing it. So uh, go check out this Kickstarter. Uh, and thank you so much, Evan and Rachel, for coming on the roundtable today. Thanks, James. Yeah, Always thank a you. pleasure. And before we go, it's time for my DMs Guild pick of the episode. My pick of the episode is the Total Party Kill Handbook. It is from 2C Gaming LLC and Stephen Gordon. Uh, Dungeon Masters and players, rejoice and beware. If you ever wanted the Book of Challenges updated to 5th edition, you've come to the right place. Uh, it is a 196-page PDF Tons of awesome art inside, 25 unique encounters, levels 1 through 20. It includes maps, new monster stat blocks, and detailed write-ups on monster tactics so you can run the encounters right out of the book. You don't need to pull out any other extra books when you are running this thing. Difficulty levels that adjust the tactics to the monsters using easy, normal, hard, and lethal. Um, this is awesome. Plus, there is a trap workshop, a trap creation system that helps you build interesting and dynamic traps to challenge groups of any and all levels. Includes 15 example traps to show you how the system works. The Total Party Kill Handbook is an absolute steal at $19.95. There is a direct link to this DMs Guild product over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Okay, people, you can find me on Twitter at James Intricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there, lots of expansions for things like Storm King's Thunder. I wrote about how to make Curse of Strahd into the one-shot, and most recently, there is some advice about how to write a great PC backstory. So check that out. 
All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the Tome Show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.